Welcome to Godzilla Media. For you, it might be the first time you've listened to a podcast from Godzilla Media. So what is Godzilla Media? It is a upstate New York-based media company specializing in businesses, entrepreneurs, professional, aspiring media members to get that opportunity to start their career. If you're a coach, an athlete, a young media member just looking to start and expand your brand, Godzilla Media is here for you. If you always wanted to launch a podcast with your friends or family, or maybe just continue to find out and share stories about your athletic career, we want to help you. Check out GodzillaMedia.com to find out more. How you can launch your podcast today, how you can launch your own social media platform, shows, and more. We want to help you. GodzillaMedia.com. Check it out today. Plus, you're listening to Getting There with Goz. Go back and listen to some other episodes of the past. It's evergreen content. The stuff you listen to now will sound the same 6, 9, 12 months from now. We talk to people from ESPN broadcasters, to people you're going to hear for the NFL playoffs who work for CBS. Syracuse athletes, I know there's essentially York population is going to love this episode with Jana Barnello coming up. Joseph Gerard third and more. People across central New York, whether it's athletes, media members you're familiar with, broadcasters, business owners, and more. Check out past episodes of Getting There with Goss right here, wherever you're listening on this podcast audio side. Before we get to this episode, we got to thank the people that make it possible. And that's our partners here, like Mohawk Honda. Selection is king. Wherever you're listening to Cross Upstate New York, how many times have you looked for a new vehicle and couldn't find the inventory right now during the strange time that is COVID? Or how many times have you had that horror story of working with a car dealership and the people you couldn't trust? You looked at him and thought, I don't know if this is somebody I want to work with. Mohawk Honda in Glenville, New York is different. Since moving out to the capital region, I've been able to trust the people at Mohawk Honda. The best ride I've ever had in my life is sitting in my driveway right now. And a new one's on the way this month. Why? Because I know my budget, my lifestyle, and what works for me and the crew at Mohawk Honda wants to help you. Shout out to Greg Johnson and Lindsay Herodin and Brian and Cam McKenna and MJ and John and Service and all the great people at Mohawk Honda. I've gotten to know them over the years because they're great people, people that you can trust. New year, new ride, new vehicle. You can do it all right now in Mohawk Honda. It's worth the drive to Glenville, New York. And by the way, you want to learn more about Mohawk Honda? This Thursday, January 13th, we'll be broadcasting LeVac and Gaz live from Mohawk Honda. So type in LeVac and Gaz. My partner Jeff LeVac and I will be out live on location Thursday, January 13th. And you can catch out that show on LeVac and Gaz here on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to the podcast, or on our YouTube channel, Godzilla Media, it's Mohawk Honda, where they always go out of their way to please you. Now, on to this week's episode of Getting There with Goz. Getting there with Goz. Getting there with Goz. Getting there with Goz. Another episode here of Getting There with Goss, where we talk about the career journeys of media members, coaches, athletes, business owners, and more from upstate New York. Jana Barnello joins us. Uh, Jana, for those who don't know who you are, maybe those listening outside the central New York area and upstate New York, uh, a younger version of you, six, seven, eight years old. Where'd you grow up? What do you want to be as a kid? And was it the same dream job you wanted when you were 18 years old? The answer to that last part is yes, and I'll get there. So I uh, was born in Syracuse, New York. I went to high school with a guy named Tom Goslowski in Solvay, <laughs> uh, in good old Solvay, New York. Uh, so, yeah, so I grew up in Syracuse. Uh, families from there, both sides of my family, they've been there a long time. Um, started in the Syracuse City School District and then family moved back to Solvay, uh, a little suburb, very Italian, very Polish, very Irish. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Uh, as you know, and, um, I was there, went to Salve high school. Um, and yeah, we were there together for one year. I was a senior when you guys were freshmen, I believe. Right. I think so. And from there I went to Syracuse university, uh, to study broadcast journalism. And that was kind of a, a windy road for me. Um, because I didn't think when I was in high school that I was going to go into journalism because it didn't dawn on me, even though, when I was 10 years old, I anchored the morning announcements at Porter Elementary School in Syracuse, New York. 
<laughs> and even though my brother, one of your friends, <laughs> and I would put on fake newscasts and TV shows all the time on one of those old big camcorders. We have VHS tapes that my dad has turned into DVDs, unfortunately. So they do exist somewhere. <laughs> um, you know, I always loved making TV shows. And I would be the news anchor. My brother would be the sports anchor. And he'd just read the sports page. It was very funny. He would just read the box scores. Uh, it wasn't great TV, but, you know, he's, he's come a long way. He could be on TV now if he wanted to be. Yeah, but anyway, right. but, but so, but I loved, I loved being um, in front of the camera. I loved kind of hosting a show. I loved watching um I loved watching the Today Show. <laughs> I loved, I loved morning television, especially. Um, I'd watch Oprah, like as a kid. I was weird. Like it was, I just always loved that kind of stuff. And all of that said, when I got to my senior year of high school, junior, junior, senior year of high school, when you're starting to apply for schools and colleges and all of that, I was like, I don't know what I want to do. And my mom was like, What? <laughs> like, what do you mean you don't know what you want to do? Um, cause I was, I was in chorus and I was like, well, maybe I'll be a music teacher. Cause my dad's a, you know, English teacher and my mom's works at a, um, Lemoyne college library. And so they're educators. And I was like, I could do that. Maybe maybe I'll be a teacher like them. And then when I was really like, I don't know, I have no idea what I, what I want to go to school for and major. And it was my mom who said, you know, we're from Syracuse and we have Syracuse University here that has one of the best broadcast journalism programs in the country in our backyard. Why don't you think about that? She was like, you love television. You know, she watched me anchor the news when I was 10 years old. She's watched me be, you know, a public speaker and all that stuff through all of my high school activities, whether it's chorus or, uh, you know, I gave a graduation speech, like things like that. You know, she was saying like, it's right in front of your face, dummy. Like just go, you know, go into journalism, like go be a TV reporter. And I was like, Oh, that's sounds kind of cool. And so I applied to Syracuse. Um, and I went on a, uh, a college visit to tour the new house school of public communications. And while I was there, you know, I was like, Oh, I could see myself here. I could do this. I love this campus. I really like this. And so I applied early decision and got in, got into the broadcast journalism program. And so that's, that was kind of my journey to a professional job in journalism. Wait a second. So even though you're from upstate New York, so mm -hmm. many past alumni, alumnus like you from Syracuse, Ithaca, Oswego, there's other schools that are in the mix that are also known as broadcasting schools. For you, it's simple. One school, Syracuse, mm -hmm. and done. Yes. I was really decisive wow. about it because I... Um, I, I also applied early decision and I got in early decision. So once you're in early decision, you got to go. And so I, I was like, all right, I'm doing this. So I never even had to apply to another college. I only applied to one school. I got in and that was it. And I know that's not the experience of a lot of people, but that was my path to it. And had I not gotten in, I would have checked out Oswego, Ithaca for sure. I also, um, I thought about, um, applying to Harvard just to see if I could get in. Cause my scores were like, okay, but not the best. But I was like, but maybe with all my extracurriculars, I could get in. Never happened. I'll never know if I could have gotten into Harvard. I think you could have, Jana. I will tell you right now, I have no <laughs> idea whether or not you could have, but I, as a Salve Bearcat, I will say you would have gotten to Harvard. No problem. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, let's take us to the first day of Syracuse. So many of your classmates as well, whether they're in sports broadcasting, whether they're in a different section of Newhouse, they've talked about that first day especially WAER people who talk about how intimidated they are because everybody there wants to do the same thing. Everybody's wanted to be a, a news anchor, a sports broadcaster, tell all these things. What was your first day like and how is it maybe different or similar to other Syracuse freshmen? It was definitely similar. I was intimidated, especially because I'm from a small town, even though I'm from Syracuse, like the city of Syracuse is a mid-sized city, but little Salve you know, and I'm sitting here being like, I want to be Oprah when I grow up. Well, guess what? There's only one Oprah. You know, there's not a lot of those jobs. So the chances that you're in a room full of people who are saying, I want to be the next Diane Sawyer. I want to be the next Brian Williams. I want to be the next Lester Holt. I mean, you name them that you're like, well, we can't all be that. So it ought, it felt competitive at the beginning. And because a lot of these kids are coming in with a lot of confidence and, you know, maybe from bigger cities or have had more experiences, or at least they want you to think that, you know, and I was like, oh no, like I'm, I'm not going to be able to do this. And I actually spent, you know, a, 
my first like two and a half, three years in the program, enjoying the program, doing well in the program, but not sure if I had the guts to go into the industry because it was so intimidating because you hear about, um, you hear that it's competitive. You hear that it's can be cutthroat. You hear that, you know, it is a visual medium. So there's, you know, your, how do you look? How do you sound? How do you do your hair and makeup? Like that, all that stuff. I was like, I can't, I don't know if I can, it was just super scary. And I, I didn't have enough confidence yet to know that I could do it. And so that first day, I remember, especially one of those very first um, broadcast classes, it was a radio class. And, you know, you're sitting there and you go around the room and everyone's saying what they want to do. Like, as our teacher asked, what's your goal? And some people were like, I want to be uh, on ESPN. I want to be on ESPN. All the guys, like, I want to be on ESPN. <laughs> and right. then a couple of the, a couple guys were like, I want to be a news anchor. The girls, I want to be Diane Sawyer. I'm like, I would love to be Oprah. Like, you know, it's all this stuff, like where you're, again, it's just, it's, everyone has these huge dreams and you're like, oh, my dreams are crap. Like this is, I'm never going to reach this. You know, it was, I think it was a very, I'm sure a lot of people feel that way. And there are some people, and I, and I went to school with some of them who, and I've seen them in my career since, as I've hired them now as a news manager, who just get it who just have it, get it, don't need to put in the work because they're naturally gifted at something. They're naturally, they have a naturally gorgeous voice or beautiful face, or they're just brilliant writers. They, they're gifted and they don't have to necessarily put in as much work as somebody starting out who needs all those reps of writing, reporting over and over and over again before you get good at it, before you get proficient at it even, just okay at it <laughs> versus anything else. So it really was about you know, two and a half years until I really got more into my classwork and started doing some internships that I was like, oh, I can do this. And I like doing this. And I, and I built that confidence over time. It was not just a, it was like, I think I want to do this. And then a slow confidence build to, I can do this. You said that keyword there, it's internships and whether it's behind the scenes, on air, whatever the internship might be, that is the ultimate confidence builder. I've heard it from so many different people. You felt it firsthand. I got to feel it in my career firsthand. Let's talk about those internships. How did you land them and what were those opportunities like? So I used Newhouse's internship office to help. And I went to a job fair to, or an internship fair too. And I decided, you know, for my first one, I just wanted to stay in Syracuse. I wasn't going to go, you know, go anywhere crazy. So I interned at WSYR Channel 9. And I interned, I wasn't a news intern, actually. I interned on their lifestyle show, Bridge Street, which is still on the air today in Syracuse. And um, I was an intern there for the summer. And that was more of the lifestyle show because, again, remember, I'm saying, like, I want to be Oprah. It wasn't necessarily like I'm going to go into news or journalism, even though I really, truly started to like that more as the, as the more that I got into my classwork. But that was part of the internship discovery process. Um, and so I got an internship. I just networked. Um, you know, his name was Tim Fox. He also still works at Channel Nine, and uh, and he was. I, I networked with him, sent him my resume, sent a, a kick butt cover letter, and was chosen. And so I spent that summer, one day a week, um, going in and just doing grunt work to be perfectly honest. And that was okay with me. I was getting coffee a little bit. I was helping. You know, set up food for cooking segments. I was bringing guests to the green room before they had to go onto the show. Um, and through that though, you know, you just get to talk to people, you get access to people. And if you're, you know, brave enough and I, and I, I, you know, built up enough confidence to just ask one question here or there of, of one of the, the hosts of the show and just say like, Oh, Hey, like, how do you like doing this? Or what's this like? And, you know, I just started having some conversations and I think the really, um, key to all of my internships was because, you know, you get to do as much as you're allowed to do. And I was just like, I'm just going to do whatever. And then I'm going to observe the rest because you can really learn a lot from osmosis. And I tell that to a lot of people still today who are new employees because newsrooms and media companies are so busy that, you know, you can't always just get a super hands-on training that lasts two months, you know, it's two weeks and go. So a lot of it is learn on the fly, learn by osmosis and ask questions. And that's what I tried to do in that first internship. And so that was the summer between my sophomore and junior year of, of college. And then my junior year of college, I did a study abroad program in the spring, spring semester in London, which was life-changing because that gave me the courage 
that I could live on my own in another city, let alone another country. But I hadn't left my hometown. I'm in Syracuse and I'm going to school in Syracuse. I lived on campus, but it's still, I was still home. And so the London um, semester really changed everything because it gave me the confidence to say, you can go to another city and live on your own and be okay. And so that gave me a little uh, spark that I was like, well, I'm going to go do an internship somewhere else in a different city. And so I went to, um, I was trying to figure out like, where could I actually go where I knew someone so I could have housing and that kind of a thing. And my aunt and uncle have um, a beach house, twist my arm in Norfolk, Virginia, Virginia beach. And so I called them up and I was like, Hey, if I can get an internship in Norfolk, Virginia, in that TV market, could I, you know, just stay at your condo for two months, (laughs) you know, stay, you know, stay at the beach house. And they were like, Absolutely. Because they had a spare room that I could stay in and then they would come and go as they needed to throughout the summer. And so I ended up getting an internship. Um, apply, again, kind of just blind applying. I, I got I got a little lucky here because, you know, sometimes you just got to apply and sometimes you get chosen and sometimes you don't because you haven't networked properly. I applied to their internship program at WTKR um, and got in. You know, they, they, they were like, let's do it. So I went down there in the summer um, and was there for about exactly two months. And that internship was tra- in a traditional news room. You know, it was the assignment desk. It was the morning editorial meetings. It was shadowing reporters, shadowing producers. Um, and I was doing that two days a week. And it actually led to my very first paid broadcast journalism job hey. because of a very silly thing. So, Throughout this internship, you know, we we kind of got assigned where to go. So it's spent a week at the assignment desk and I would just answer phones and learn how to make beat calls, which is, you know, calling, you call around to different sheriff's departments, say, got anything going on? Anything going on? Any stories for us? What's going on? So I, I got to do that. And, and then they had me um, start to shadow some of the newscast producers. And they're the ones putting together the five o'clock news each day. You know, they're the ones behind the scenes people that don't get the glory of the, of of being the anchor or reporter, but they're the ones building the show, timing the show, choosing the the content and which order is it going to go in and what is it going to look like ultimately. And so they're, they're a very powerful newsroom position and a really good place for natural born leaders. Um, So I'm shadowing this, uh, one of the top producers there, a guy named Brian, and they had this segment. So this is back in, let's see, 2007, and, and this is right as Facebook is kind of becoming more popular and just about to, to open up to more than just college kids or already had just opened up to more than college kids. So it's, it's now part of newsrooms to start to adapt to Facebook, bringing in Facebook comments into a newscast, which is still a dicey thing because, you know, people say crazy stuff all the time. But this was part of their, they kind of had a question of the day to get some interaction with their audience and they would use some Facebook comments. And I kid you not, all they were doing to get this to air was using a PowerPoint presentation. So they were building, so they would build the graphics in a PowerPoint and they would, and they would, you know, take the Facebook comment. They had a little template, they fill it in, boom, there's a slide. And so then when it came time for the broadcast, somebody had to take that PowerPoint to air. And so I'm shadowing Brian and he shows me how to do it. And he's like, okay, so now it's ready for air. So I'm going to hit F5 to make it full screen. And now as they go through the comments, I'm just going to hit the space bar. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Cool. Thanks for showing me that. <laughs> Next week, Brian is out sick. And there's somebody filling in on the five o'clock news who's never done it before. And I'm shadowing that person. And they're doing this whole, like, okay, we've got to get the Facebook comments, da, 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 da. and they do, the, they get it all done. And I don't remember who it was in that newsroom, but somebody said, how do we make it full screen? How do we get it to air? And I was like, oh, I know. You just hit F5. <laughs> like, and then you hit the space bar to get through the, the, the graphics. And you would have thought that I was the biggest hero. You would have thought I had a purple heart in the military, (laughs) the way that these people were cheering me for for knowing that. But it was just one of those silly things where I paid attention and I remembered it and I helped them. I made their life easier. And when you can make 
a newsroom employee's life easier, they will love you for the rest of their life, no matter how bad you are to them. <laughs> because <laughs> there, our jobs are hard and they're stressful and there's so much going on. And this was years ago now. This was 14, almost 15 years ago now where, um, you know, newsrooms were even better staffed than they are today. And so just being able to pay attention, get an opportunity, take it, remember something and then apply it later. They then said, we want, we, you know what? We love you. You're so smart and observant. Why don't we hire you part-time to run the teleprompter for the 5 to 6.30 newscast twice a week? So then I got to put on my resume that I was an associate producer (laughs) (laughs) and I got paid to do it. And so I got paid to come in and for an hour and a half, roll a teleprompter and get that experience and get that on my resume, which just kept building it up to make it look even better for when it was time for that next summer to do the job hunt. You got yeah, you've got the paid gig. Like that, yeah. that's amazing because so many people have had these horror stories of internships where they feel like they've got to work over their credit hours. They've got to do this and never get paid. But you're able from just remembering that detail and, as you said, making somebody's life easier, turning that into actual money in your pocket, which is yeah. so rare. But you are behind the scenes at that point, which is fine because you're getting the experience. And like you said, it's getting added to your resume. Mm-hmm. At some point, they will throw you out of Syracuse, though, and you do get to graduate. So yes. let's go there. Like graduation, you hit the job market like you're about to get into. Uh, Take us through that. What's that opportunity that might come about first? Is it an on-air opportunity? Let's go post-Syracuse. What happens with Jana Barnello? So I was, my senior year, um, the last semester, I was doing part-time radio reporting at WSYR, 570 WSYR. So that was a really cool little gig that I don't think necessarily got me, like, got me my first job in TV, but certainly added to my resume and just helped me get more reps that got me more, com- even more comfortable for when I did start that job. Um, and so when I got to the applying process, I was in a spot where, look, this is part of the business. I had no clue how to do my hair and makeup coming out of college, and which is much different now with with young people because of the, the explosion of YouTube and makeup tutorials and all and Instagram and all of that. That did not exist for me. And so while I looked fine on camera and I had a good resume tape to send out to to and I say resume tape, it's not even a tape anymore. It's just online. You know, like I was still I was like sending out DVDs and actually ha- even had a couple of VHS tapes in 2008, which seems late and it kind of oh, was. Man. But anyway, um but like I had this resume tape that was good. Like I, you could tell like my, I could, I definitely knew what I was doing, but I wasn't going to, you know, sparkle and shine and be this gorgeous, stunning beauty on camera yet. That wasn't part of my skill set at that time. So I had a wonderful professor who gave me some honest feedback and he was like, look, this tape is good, but you are so much better than this tape. And so we just got to get your foot in the door and then you will be off to the races. So that's going to be what you need to focus on. And essentially what he was saying was, whatever job you get, take it. And I had another professor say, take the job as soon as you get it, because that means you're starting your job before all this other competition, which means your contract's going to be up before all of your other competition in two years to get that second job. And so I was like, okay, that was my mentality. And so I just started applying everywhere, which I didn't want to leave Syracuse per se, but I was like, look, I'm just going to have to go away for a couple of years. Like, that's okay. I'll go, I'll go do that. I've lived in London now. I've lived in Virginia beach. I'll go to a little small market and I'll cut my teeth. And so I applied everywhere. I think I got a response from Des Moines, Iowa, who said like, we just filled the job, but please fill out this application for our next opening. And then I got, um, I wasn't really getting any calls. And so I started everywhere I applied. I went on their websites and I started looking for Syracuse grads. I started looking in the bios of the talent for people who went to Newhouse. And at WFXL in Albany, Georgia, which is market, I think, 150 out of 222 or whatever, was a guy named Brian Perkins. And Brian was a sports director and he went to Newhouse. And I emailed him and I said, hey, man, fellow Newhouse alum here. I applied for a job. Haven't heard anything yet. Totally understandable. Can I send you my tape? And if you like it, will you please show it to your boss? And I was in Georgia two weeks later. I had been hired. And it was that easy for me. Like it was using my Newhouse connection, which anybody can do. You don't, I mean, Newhouse, Syracuse University, Newhouse, that network is so strong and powerful. And it's amazing. But a lot of other colleges have alumni too. You know, Ithaca, Oswego, Cornell, you know, wherever you're going, even if it's a small, you know, Fredonia, whatever, wherever you're going, 
Like use your alumni network to get your foot in the door, internship or otherwise, because it works. Even if you can't get the internship that time, you may at least make a professional bond that they think of you for the next thing, which is also how I got one of my other jobs, which I can tell you about in a bit. Yeah, <laughs> like even, even though you said it was easy in the process of typing up an email and just thinking about mm-hmm. it, that's the most stressful. I think we shouldn't undermine the boldness of it, right? Like you're 22 years old and you're emailing somebody you've never met in your entire life and just said, went to Syracuse, let's give it a shot and see what happens. And the boldness of it, there's a part of that too, where you got to get over the, okay. uh, Yes. The worst thing they can say is no to me. Mm -hmm, Exactly. And that's, and I didn't get a lot of responses. I probably sent out 20 tapes and I got like two responses. You know, and more people, other people I've heard have sent out even more tapes and gotten two responses. So you just have to keep trying and you got to know, and this is something I ultimately learned much later is that like, look, this business is not a meritocracy. The most talented journalists do not always get hired for lots of different reasons. And so you just got to like, just know that you're good enough. (laughs) You got to do the good work for yourself and it can get you there. And again, some of it, this was just fake it till you make it confidence. Cause I was terrified. I was like, Oh, I got to send another email. I'm bugging this person. I don't want, you know, all of that. You just fake it till you make it honestly. And that's what I did. And that's what landed me this first job down in Southwest Georgia, <laughs> like deep South yeah, all, Georgia, Albany, Georgia, not the two hours East of Syracuse, Albany, New York, Albany, Georgia. So this is the gig yes. you're getting paid. You're a professional. So many learning experiences, especially in your early twenties. What are some of those things you learned at job one postgraduate in Albany, Georgia? Wow. Well, first of all, you know, I think for a lot of young journalists, especially, or if, especially if you're on the air, you know, you're going to see such a difference between yourself on day one and then on your six month mark, because doing it every day, you're just going to naturally get better. Even if you do nothing else, even if you don't put any extra work. So my, my kind of goal when I first got there was put your head down and just work. Cause I still was terrified. I was like, I can't believe I'm going to do this. Am I really going to be able to turn stories every day? I don't know anybody here. Am I going to make friends? Like I gained 20 pounds when I got there. Cause I was eating all my feelings. Like I was homesick and I was stressed and I it was not easy. Like it wasn't, it was very difficult. Cause I love my family. I want, I miss them in Syracuse. And I was like, what the hell am I doing? But quickly I learned that I had a good group of people that I was working with and that's not always the case for everybody, but there's always going to be one or two people you can kind of connect with and cling to, especially in those first jobs when there's a lot of young people around who are also in a similar position. And so we were all like, not from the area. We all had the same goals and dreams of being, you know, TV reporters and we were doing it. So we bonded over that. So I quickly made friends. And after three months, I was like pretty confident and just like talking to people. I was very quiet at work and I'm not generally a quiet person, but I was nervous and I just was scared. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so part of it was a little bit of shock and having to get over that initial transition. And everyone's going to have that, especially like sometimes it's fat, a fast transition, sometimes it's six months. And that's just what I kind of had to experience for myself and learn for myself over time. But that first job, I mean, I was covering the most ridiculous stuff. I got to cover some really cool crime, some court cases, um, but then I'd go out and cover, you know, a county fair. I would be, it was so hot. It was so hot. I moved there in August. Like it was so, I was so sweaty on television and I was finally figuring out how to do my hair and makeup, but it would just like <laughs> sweat off by the end of the day. And the other thing about Albany, Georgia is first of all, the people there were so wonderful. And it was the first place I ever went in my life where, you know, I would say, hi, I'm Jana. And they would say, oh, you're not from around here, are you? Where do you go to church? <laughs> I was like, what is this place? Like, what is this? It was like super Southern Baptist, but like wonderfully, wonderful, welcoming people. And all of that said, the thing about Southwest Georgia, in Georgia, they have this thing called a NAT line, G-N-A-T. And we live below the NAT line. And so every summer you go outside and not only is it like 95 degrees, and with 172% humidity, there are these little bugs flying all, all over you. <laughs> and you're outside and you're, I'm, I'm a MMJ. So I'm shooting and editing my own video. So like have my camera set up recording at me. And I'm trying to like shoot my little stand up. Multimedia journalist is the MMJ yes. inside Mul- term, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Multimedia journalist. And I'm sitting there, you know, as a one man band also, as they call it. And I'm like trying to do these takes and recording this stuff. 
and you're just like, <laughs> like all this, like just getting hammered by bugs. So it's not glamorous is what I really learned. You know, it's being a TV news reporter is not glamorous. And for people who think it is and who want it to be, it's not. And you're going to be sorely disappointed. So it was a lot of grind. It was just a lot of show up, do the work, make deadline, go through the motions and get better. Watch my work back, you know, all those kinds of things. And so, you know, honestly, it's been so long now. I, I part of me doesn't even remember how I got through it all other than I made some really good friends. We'd have a lot of fun on the weekends and then go back to work and just kind of get it done from there. And so I spent about uh, just about two years in Georgia before my next job, um, which I got in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Chattanooga, Tennessee. Is it same way? Networking? Is that that story you kind of teased me with a little bit a few minutes ago? So that was my third job. So here, so hear okay. me out. So Chattanooga, Chattanooga, there was a, there's a website called tvjobs.com. And that's how a lot of, that's also where you can apply to a lot of jobs and, um, or find a lot of postings still to this day, even. Um, and that was, I just started again, cold emailing and, and applying and don't ask me how or why, but I got a call from the news director and I had that job in about two weeks. So that wasn't actually, that was just kind of like my tape was good. And he liked me and he was like, I like this girl. I think we could hire her. She lives nearby. Let's get her up here for an interview. Cause I was Chattanooga was about four hours South of, um, of Albany or four hours North of Albany, Georgia. So that just kind of worked out in my favor because I had like worked so hard to get a good tape together to get that second job. Now, had, had I not been getting calls back, you better believe I would have been doing the exact same technique of finding new house alums at the stations I wanted to work at and contacting them. Cause it's, it just, it just works. It, it, it worked. It's I've seen it work for other people and that's what I would have done. But I kind of got a cold call from that news director. And again, I was there, I think living in Chattanooga a month later. So I got to Chattanooga in June of 2010, 2010. And so that's where I was. And in and, and that job, I was still a multimedia journalist, but I also started to get to work with a photographer. So I didn't have to just shoot my own video and edit every day. Some days I did when we were short staffed because I had those skills and they used me that way. But in that job, I was now in a bigger newsroom, a bigger city, bigger market, wonderful people. I got so lucky there. A lot of them still work there today. And I get to technically still call them coworkers because now we're all still part of the same ownership group. Um, and they, uh, they taught me so much because now I'm doing live shots. So I'm not just recording everything. I get to be live on the air. I got fill-in anchor opportunities. I got to I had, some of the shows you had to produce yourself. So I'm producing a little bit. I'm anchoring a little bit. I'm filling in. I'm doing whatever I needed to do to get experience there. And there, now I'm starting to cover some real breaking news, like stuff that made national news, where we had a really uh, horrific, deadly tornado outbreak in 2011. Um, that really was the first big news event that kind of shook me to my core where I had nightmares, like where, where in today's world, you know, and they did do this. They brought in counselors for us afterwards. Cause it was kind of so hard for us all to cover. Um, you know, I, so I got to do that kind of stuff, cover crazy crime. And I, I worked night side. So I worked two, two 30 PM to 1130 PM. And I was kind of like the lead 11 o'clock reporter. And that shift is just, it's fires, it's breaking news, city council meetings, fast paced, um, in Chattanooga, if you, if you don't know any, any young journalist, if they're interested in moving and moving to another city for a little while, highly recommend Chattanooga, Tennessee. It is so much fun. It's got great restaurants. It's got a, it's right on, it's right in this, the river Valley, there's mountains, there's hiking. It's, it's, it's gorgeous. It's so much fun. I miss Chattanooga still to this day. So I had a great experience there. I had a great boss who taught me a lot, um, who recently just retired as the news director. Um, and it was just a lot of fun. And that's really also where we really started to use social media to tell stories and, and, and to market our stories. And I was like, I'm into this. Let's tweet, let's Facebook, let's do all that. And that also kind of helped lead me to my journey to where I am today here in Syracuse overseeing, um, you know, kind of our digital content is one big part of my job. I love it. So many good things. I, look, when you were just describing Chattanooga, I'm like, I, I want to go there right now. Like, you should. That's, that's the hardest part about this like stuff. When you get to go to different markets and travel and cover events, you build these bonds with these cities, and that makes it even more difficult for when that time comes when you have to leave to say, 
this opportunity has presented itself in my career and I can't say no. So now even hearing this, this, this tease for this third job, how did it happen? What did it came okay. about with it? So when I was an intern in Virginia Beach in Norfolk during, during college, I shadowed a reporter named Giovanna Bouchard. And Giovanna, I just kept in touch with her because she gave me a lot of good feedback on my resume tape and excuse me, some of my like, uh, she gave me a lot of good feedback on my resume tape and some of my um, pretend stand-ups. I wrote some scripts and she was really cool and she really liked me and I really liked her. And so I stayed in touch with her over the years. So this was 2007 when I interned there. And now we're at like 2012 when I'm trying to apply for my third job. Because now it's, it's, you know, you kind of do these two-year stints. And I had ultimately decided while I love Tennessee and I'm open to staying here, maybe go to Nashville or something like that, I really miss my family. I really miss the Northeast because most of my, I made so many great friends down there. Don't get me wrong. And I still talk to them today, but I, but like my core, my best friends were all in the Northeast. My family is in the Northeast. And so I was like, if I could just get back there, that would be awesome. And so I was networking with Giovanna, you know, just over time. And I'd always send her whenever I had an updated resume reel, I'd send it to her for feedback. And she'd, she'd always answer me, you know, and so we, I talked to her like every six months or every year, you know, not, it's not like we were super close, but we just kept that, that connection. And then when I was in Chattanooga, um, I worked for the company that owned the station it was called freedom. And during my time there at the end of 2010, the station group freedom stations were bought by Sinclair broadcasting. So Sinclair, that's when Sinclair was buying up a lot of station groups across the country and they bought my station. So when I emailed Giovanna, I'm like, hey, I put a new resume tape together. Like I'm hitting about my two-year mark in Chattanooga and I didn't have a contract there, which was very rare, but they did that because of Freedom was having financial troubles and they weren't, I don't know the whole story, but they weren't like basically offering contracts to people because they were like, we're going to go under, how could we have these contracts? So anyway, yeah, yeah. that's the, that's, that's the, that's the story that I heard, you know, back in the day. But so anyway, free, I didn't have a contract so I could leave at any time. Um, but now Sinclair has bought us and, um, and I emailed Giovanna and she's like, Hey, I work at a Sinclair station now too in Portland, Maine. And we have a weekend anchor opening and I think you'd be perfect for it. And I was like, what? Portland, Maine, which I've never been to Maine in my life. I grew up, um, we, we went, we grew up going to Cape Cod, New England, but never made it up to Maine, but Portland, Maine and this is, this is a weekend anchor gig. So now I'm not just reporting. I get to anchor two days a week. It's two hours from Boston where all of my best friends from college live. And I was like, oh, wouldn't that be awesome? I could be within driving distance, easy driving distance, easy weekend trips to all of my best friends from college. That would be so cool. And so Giovanna sent my resume and my reel to her news director. And then I basically just did an internal transfer within the company up to Portland, Maine, at WGME, the CBS affiliate. So I did that in July, 2012. And that was because of an internship I did in 2007 that got me my job in 2012, where I spent six years of my life after that. So I was in Portland for, for six years, 2012 to about 2018. Wild to think about that, that you mm -hmm. stayed in contact, you stayed connected, you stayed up on it. It would have been so easy to be like, you know what? I got a new job, new market. Peace. See you later. I'm going to talk to somebody else. The fact you're able to keep those connections, you watched it and felt it firsthand of what it did for your career. And now here you go. You're back in the Northeast. You get the weekend anchor gig, the weekend anchor gig. You're yeah. on air, all the stuff you want. So take us through this. Like these stories you've got now, this is the part of your career. You've got to feel thrilled. Like this is what you've been working for. And here you are doing it. Before Jana shares those stories about her career in Maine and everything that happens, we want to tell you about how this podcast comes together, how it's made possible, and how you can support it. If you're enjoying this conversation with Jana so far, check out the info on this episode. Just click it, and you're going to see the Godzilla Media merch store. So grab yourself a t-shirt, a hoodie, whatever it is. It's really helpful. It's really supportive for supporting podcasts like this. So check out the merch. If you're enjoying this conversation with Jana, that's all we ask. And to support the people that make it possible like Northeastern Insurance and our friend Jared Lozier. Wherever it is, from Central New York to Albany to Utica, in between Albany, Georgia, wherever you're listening to this podcast and maybe up in Maine as well, it's all about saving yourself some cash. Are you looking for a quote right now? How about the things that are most important for you in your life, your car, your home, the things that are valuable? It's 2022. Aren't you looking for maybe a way to save a few bucks here and there? 
You have somebody shop marked for you. That's what Jared Lozier will do for you at Northeastern Insurance. Give him a call today, 518-956-3753. 518-956-3753. It's Jared Lozier at Northeastern Insurance. We love this guy. If you listen to some of our shows on Gonzalo Media, he hangs out with us. He's got a heartbreaking loss for his Indianapolis Colts, but he's a big Colts fan, loves connecting with people, and it's somebody you want on your side to help you save a few bucks this year. Email him today if you want that free quote, wherever you're listening, J-A-R-E-D-L at N-E-Mail.com. I'll give it to you one more time. You can pause the episode, send him an email, and then go back to listen to this. Jared, J-A-R-E-D-L at N-E-Mail.com. Northeastern Insurance helping you Save some cash in 2022. And our friends over at Johnstone Supply in Troy. The winter months are here. I know. We were hoping they weren't going to happen. Unfortunately, they are here. And now, what are you doing to protect your home? What is happening in your life that all of a sudden you're thinking, maybe it's time for a change? Are you updated? Are you ready to go? Check out your home right now, your furnaces, your boilers, whatever you may have. These are the times where it gets colder and colder. The winter months, the wind chill, and all those things that are happening. Well, give Johnstone Supply in Troy a call to find out if your things are updated or if you need some advice on what to change. 518-272-5922. 518-272-5922. Or make the drive out to 6th Avenue in Troy. Type it in on your GPS, Johnstone Supply in Troy, 6th Avenue, to find out what they can help you with this winter month. Check out those high-efficient Goodman furnaces, the boilers, the prices on equipment are doubling from last year. But luckily, Johnstone Supply in Troy has the prices that are going to match your budget and are competitive and the best you can find all across upstate New York. Call Johnstone Supply in Troy today to help you this winter to make sure your home is up to the standard that it used to be and it continues to keep you warm. 518 518- 272-5922. Do us a favor. 518-272-5922. Hit two so you can connect with our friends. Tom and Kev, James, Rob, whoever to say you heard about this on Getting There with Gaz. You wanted to support. You wanted to make sure your house is ready to go for the winter. Johnstone Supply in Troy, making sure you're warm and set to go in 2022. All right, Jana, tell us what goes down in Maine. We got some stories to share. Let's hear them. Yeah, and it was still like it was exactly what I wanted. And the reason they hired me was not because they thought I was some stud anchor. I was a green anchor because I hadn't been doing it a ton. I've been filling in. I was okay at it, had some real potential, but my, my strength as a reporter is what really got me the job because that station needed a reporter who could come in and hit the ground running, who was super competent, just needed to learn the market and but give her an assignment. She'll do it. And that's kind of what I was to them. So three days a week, they knew they just had a reliable reporter who would turn a great story for them. And then two days a week on the weekends, I just got to anchor and build that part of my skill set because they are very different skill sets because you got to keep your energy up for 30 minutes. And now a day's three to four hours if you're anchoring a morning show versus a one minute 30 live shot. It's a skill set. You have to be on for a longer period of time and it takes more focus and uh, attention to detail really in your performance. It's more performative than even reporting is. And so, um, so it was just a dream. I was so excited. I was like, this is awesome. I start, you know, reporting on some really cool stuff. Maine is gorgeous. It's on the coast. Portland's on the coast. The restaurant scene is amazing. Also highly recommend living in Portland, Maine, if you can. Uh, It's like a mini Boston. Um, And so, and again, started to make some really good friends there. And now I've got even a more full life outside of work because I'm close to my friends in Boston. I can drive home to my family. I don't have to fly. So I was the weekend anchor for about two years. And look, I was, I was doing good. I was but I was like, I don't know, maybe I'll move on after two years or I had a three-year contract. And I said, well, you know, I think I'll just do the three years and, and then probably move on again. I don't think I'll stay because I, I I was like, look, I like this weekend anchor gig, but I also know I'm in my mid-20s and I want to have a better social life and, you know, all those things that you think about. And I was like, well, maybe, I'd, maybe, you know, maybe weekend anchoring isn't for me for the long term because, you know, I just want to have these other priorities that I want to like you know, go on a date <laughs> and I work every Friday and Saturday night, you know, things like that. So and that was very much, you know, on my mind. And so all of that said, you know, my bosses knew that I said, look, if there's ever an opportunity for advancement here, like, please consider me. I, I like it here. I would love, you know, a shot at the morning show if that ever was a possibility because they, we had an anchor team there that was solid. 
And so I knew that that what wouldn't necessarily happen, but I at least like raised my hand and said, this is what I want. If it ever comes to fruition, thank you. And so they actually gave me some fill in anchoring opportunities there on the morning show. Cause they knew that that would help me grow. Um, I filled in when the, the uh, female anchor went on maternity leave. I did that for three months. So it kind of got to test me out. And then right at that like two year mark where I could have opted out of my contract, had I got a job, you know, that, that satisfied the outs of my contract, that kind of a thing. I was, you know, approached by my, by my boss and said, look, we're going to revamp the morning show and we want to bring in a third anchor and we want it to be you. And I was like, okay, <laughs> yes, like, yes. Yes, let's go. you know, and, and cause really my goal, like I said, I, you know, I wanted to be Oprah, you know, all those things I said when I was, when I was younger and it's not that I wanted to be Oprah. I just always loved that, like morning show vibe. And I know Oprah wasn't necessarily a morning show, but you're talking about daytime television, morning television. I loved watching the today show. Like that was really where I wanted to be or try. I wanted to try that morning show space. And so I, I was able, fortunate enough to, to kind of become that third anchor, that little sidekick um, anchor for about two weeks. And then the female main anchor left. (laughs) She decided she was, she and her family wanted to move back to Texas and she left. And I went to my boss and I was like, did you know this was going to happen? She was like, I did not know this was going to happen. So, so now it's me. (laughs) Like after two weeks. And so I'm like, are you guys okay with this? Like, are you like, I know like you still wanted me to grow into this role, like, but I'm kind of here now. And they were like, look, we're going to take it as it comes. You like, you're here, you're still on this show. And we're going to bring in another third person to kind of round out this team. And so they brought in this um, woman named Courtney Cabot from Burlington, Vermont. She was working in Burlington, but she is from a suburb of Syracuse called Manlius, New York. Yay! So you had a Solvay girl and a Manlius girl anchoring the news together in Portland, Maine. And that was really cool. And Courtney and I are still, she's still one of my best friends. And Courtney and I, um, we still text like all the time. And at first I wasn't sure if she liked me. She wasn't sure if I liked her because it was such a weird transition. And it was like a three anchor show. And it was like not, it was like, how do we do this? What do we, how, cause we were kind of reinventing it. We were kind of reinventing the show. And we had this, you know, mainstay anchor, his name's Jeff Peterson, fantastic guy. And Jeff is a total goofball. Like I love him so much. He's so silly, but anyway, so it was the three of us. So it was like, we had to like figure each other out. And Courtney and I were able to do that after I bought her a present. <laughs> like I was out and about like two months into the, two months into the gig. And I knew she loved like Girl Scout cookies and I found a Girl Scout cookie candle and I was like, I bought this and I thought of you. And ever since that moment, all the tension or uncertainty between us melted away and we've been like super close ever since. So Courtney and I are, and, and Jeff were anchoring that show together for about three years or sorry, about one year. And we, at that point kind of got uh, knocked around a little bit. And like I said, we were retooling the show and they didn't quite like how it was being retooled. (laughs) And so at that point they said, look, we're going to go back down to two anchors and it's going to be Courtney and Jeff. And so Courtney, who's my really close friend and Jeff are now kind of going to be the two main anchors of the CBS morning show. Now we also did an hour on our Fox affiliate. And they said, Jana, you're going to anchor that Fox affiliate show. And it was, you know, a knock. It was really hard because I was like, oh, no, I'm being sidelined. I must be terrible. I must suck. All the all the all those insecurities in your head. You're like, that must be true. Every every terrible thing I thought about myself must be true. I must be terrible at this. And no one's told me until now, which when you pull yourself out of that, that is not that is not what they were saying. It was the the job of a news director and all those higher ups is to find the right fit for the show of that moment and the and what that audience is and the fact is is Courtney was a fantastic anchor who talked a little slower than me who had a different look than me who was a fantastic person and it was nothing about me versus her or whatever it was it was what does that show need right now what does that audience need and they needed kind of a more chill show. And you probably could have guessed, like, I'm a high energy person. <laughs> like, I'm, And I talk fast and I'm blonde and I'm like, you know, I have high energy. 
And that's just not what that show needed at that moment in the end. And so that was a big learning experience for me because it was having to understand. I kind of alluded to this earlier. It's not that I was bad at my job or I'm not a good anchor or a good journalist or that I wouldn't find success on a different morning show in a different market with a different audience that needed something different. But that job wasn't the right fit for me at that moment. And that was, I'm not kidding you. It took me about six months to eight months to learn that and to realize that because I was just, it was kind of the first big speed bump of my career. And I've been so lucky that that's one of the worst things to happen to me. I put that in quotes because it's not a bad thing. You know, it's not ultimately a bad thing. It was a disappointment and I had to deal with it. And it was a huge shot to my ego because again, I'm thinking, oh no, they, they did this because I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And when I actually step, stepped back and heard what they were saying to me, it was, we love you so much. <laughs> we just have to do what's best for the audience and what the show needs. And you fit better here right now. And I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, like, okay, I get it. Yeah. You know, I, I had to accept it. But I'm glad you were able to accept that because there are people, whether it may have been colleagues or classmates or somebody else in your career, where that could have been the end for some people. Like, that is such a shot or a knock or a diss or whatever term we want to use when it's really not. If you've done that really well, if you explain how it's not. But there are people whose egos are so fragile when an obstacle like that, especially when it faced with an on-air job, they just don't want to do it. Like, they're just like, no, 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 I'm done. I'm out of the market. I quit. This is BS. I'm getting out of here. Like, I'll go find somebody who appreciates me. And you didn't do any of those things. You're like, hey, this is the job you asked me to do. That's my friend. We're competitive Mm -hmm. in a sense of a career mode, but this is the job I got to do. I got to do it. And you stepped up to the plate and you did it. Yeah. And and it was, it was really hard. Like it was because I was, it hurt my feelings. Like my feelings were hurt. My ego was hurt. And it took a long time for me to, to, to understand what was really going on and what was really going on. And I've said this to other people who face similar disappointments now that I'm on the other side of it is when you have that kind of a reaction to something work related, it's really because your self-esteem is probably too tied to your job. You know, it was, it was too much like my job is who I am and that is not healthy. It's just not. And it's so easy for people on the air to get to that point because it is, it dominates what we do and it dominates how we behave online, right? Like if you're, if you're, you know, you care about what people think about you online, but you know, you're not just going to be a crazy person online. You think about like how you behave and what you post and you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. I have to be ethical and unbiased. I'm a public figure in a way. And so it does like, you do have rules that you have to follow if you really want to be, you know, seen as credible and all those things. And so you feel like it, it just becomes who you are. Polarizing. It shuts people down. It paralyzes them. Jenny, Mm -hmm. you're the first person I've said this off the air, off podcast people before I have to say it now because you're the first person brought this up. I tell, especially young college people or people who want to do a podcast or people who are making the transition from traditional media to non-traditional media. Don't get so worked up at how many views or how many likes or how many, Like, this is a whole different world. Like, that stuff Mm -hmm. is going to come. And I swear to you, I don't care what the number is, 10,000, 50,000, 100,000, whoever you are, that number is never going to be good enough because the next one you're going to hope is that's the bar. Like, you are going to paralyze yourself if you continue to do things that define yourself by that. So I'm glad you and I feel that same way because that's not said enough in some of these things. It's it's hard. It's hard. It was a hard pill to swallow for me. Because I was like, no, I want to, I want to be the main anchor and I want to be the, the big, the, the number one person. And like, that's, and a lot of people are going to feel that way. And that's a good thing to have that like drive to be better and be the best. But if I step back and said, well, I'm still the exact same person that I am just now doing this other show instead of this show, like I'm still doing exactly what I want to do. I'm still working with people that I like in a city that I like that's close to my friends and family. I'm not just going to throw that away just because my feelings were hurt. You know, I had to fight through it and I had to be a grown up and I had to have thick skin. And that's always my advice to people. It's like it, it wasn't about Jana being bad. <laughs> it was just about Jana not being the right fit for that moment. And now I found a better fit for myself, you know, off the air, totally different. Because that happened to me, it opened my eyes to what was really going on with me and what I really enjoyed about work and the work that I was doing. 
And I was like, okay, what do I value? And it's like, well, I value the work. I love journalism. I like putting on news. I do love anchoring. I love it. And I, I won't lie. I still miss it because I was really good at it. You know, even though I had this disappointment in my life, in my career, I should say, I still loved doing it and I was still really good at it. And anyone would tell you that, you know, who I worked with, like they, they, everyone was like, oh, Jana's a great anchor. Like it wasn't about Jana being not good enough to do it. It was just what's really going to make me happy in the long term. And I just eventually got to the point where I was looking at, okay, what's next for me? Because I, even though I was anchoring every day, I started to get less fulfilled by it. It just wasn't, it was, it was a bit too routine for me. I was like, okay, I've kind of experienced and learned everything I think I'm going to experience and learn in this role. So is it time to move on to a bigger market to anchor, to do be, maybe be a weekend anchor in a bigger market or go back to reporting? Because if, if you go back down a bigger market, but be a reporter Monday through Friday, a little bit better schedule versus going to be a weekend anchor. And I just kind of said, no, that's not what I want because what, I'm going to go move away again to a city. I don't know. And while it was fun and adventurous, and I'm so glad I did it because it taught me a ton about myself and about other parts of this country. I was like, no, now I just want to be, I want to do what I love. And I want to be close to the people that I love. That's, those are my priorities. And so when I really started to think about it and I looked at, you know, talking to my, my news director, at the time at WGME, who was super supportive of me and, and had to coach me through that whole disappointment because she was the one who was like, gave me the job and then kind of had to take it away in a way. And so, you know, she and I had a lot of conversations and she's like, Jan, I look at all the qualities that you have and everything that you're good at. And in addition to the on-air stuff, and she's like, you should consider a news management path. And it is something that's kind of like been in the back of my head because I'd always been interested in leadership. I always was kind of a natural leader in everything that I did from the time I was a kid and, and even in newsrooms. You know, I wasn't I didn't have a title, but, you know, the younger reporters would come to me with their scripts or their questions about how should I write this or how should I do that? And what should I do here and who should I call there? And I was a newsroom leader. And so, you know, she kind of just put that idea in my head. She's like, this is this could be a really good path for you. And and so I was like, hmm, OK, maybe. And then I had um, a conversation with a family member, a cousin, who had this great career in marketing. And so I was talking to her because I'm like, well, maybe I should get into marketing or something. Like, maybe I should try something different and, you know, whatever. And she's like, it's not that – she's like, I don't think after hearing everything you're saying that, like, it's not that I think you need to go into marketing or leave news. She's like, but you're not quite climbing the right ladder. She's like, it doesn't sound like the anchoring on-air ladder is the ladder you want to be climbing anymore. It sounds like you want to put your ladder somewhere else and climb there. And I was like, I think you're right. And so that opened my mind to news management. But I still wasn't ready to make that jump until I started networking with the news director in Syracuse at the Sinclair station in Syracuse, same company that owns WGME and owned WTVC in Chattanooga. And I just wanted to network with him. He was new. And I was like, well, maybe if there's ever a you know an anchor job in Syracuse, I'd come home or something like that. And so I just said, hey, I'm going to be home over the summer, July 2018. I'd love to stop into the station and meet with you because I'm from here. I'm in the company and I'd love to be back in Syracuse someday if it ever worked out. And so I essentially told him my life story, like I just told you here in a much shorter version. And he said, I got a digital content manager opening. What do you think about that? And I was like, what? You, you let me say all of this without telling me you had a job opening? Like, what the heck? And so... He he put he was like, look, you could come back here. You could run our digital our digital news division. Not division. It's like three people, but you know what I'm saying. And so he's like, come back here, be in charge of our digital content. You're really good at it. You know, I was good on social media. I was a good web writer because of all the reporting I'd done, and I just kind of liked it. And he's like, come try this. Get in. It's a management position, and we need somebody who has experience in this role because. For a lot of years, and a lot of newsrooms do this, not just you know the one I'm in now, but they they would they undervalued the digital jobs. They didn't hire people with a ton of experience who weren't who weren't like true journalists. They might have been like, you know, one or two years out of college, but you're you're talking about somebody with one or two years of experience running, being in charge of an entire website content <laughs> versus somebody like me with 10 years of experience who's from the area to come in and see the whole picture of cnycentral.com. And so I was like, it was a really hard decision because I was happy in Portland. 
but I was starting to say like, "Ah, I think I'm ready for something else. And essentially I was going back and forth when I had to make a decision by like the money was equal. It wasn't like I was going to, you know, make a ton more money in Syracuse or a ton more money in Portland. My hours would have been a little bit better in in Portland had I stayed like 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. versus the 3 a.m. wake up call that I had. So it wasn't like it wasn't like I'd be working weekends here or there. Everything was pretty equal. And eventually it was just my dad who kind of swayed me in the end, which he usually does. And he just said, I don't know, Jana, maybe it's time to work with new people and learn from somebody else. And I was like, yeah, I can dig that. I think that would be that would be the thing. If I'm looking about if I'm talking about learning and growth, then I should leave and I should take this risk of going home, but still a risk in a new career path in a way and do it. And so I did. So I I, I cried the whole drive from Portland to Syracuse <laughs> and it was a tough transition, but I'm so glad that I did it because I made a bet in that moment that if I made this jump now, I would end up farther down the road faster than if I were to stay in Portland. And what I mean by that is having a full life because in Portland, I kind of had crappy hours. I was getting up at, you know, I had to be at work at three in the morning, five days a week. I felt like I was living in this great city that I didn't get to experience. I couldn't like, I, if I went out to dinner with people at seven o'clock at night and I had to get up at two in the morning, I'd be exhausted. You know, it was just, it was a rough It was rough on my body. It was rough on my personal life. And I said, no, I want to have a full life. I want to work really hard. I'm not afraid of hard work, but I want to have the opportunity to hang out with friends, have dinner with my parents after work, go on a date, you know, all those same things that I was talking about, you know, back in 2012, I had to make, I had to make that investment in myself. And so I sit here now three years later as the assistant news director. You know, it took me a year to get promoted from digital content manager to assistant news director. I've bought a condo and I have a boyfriend. So like we're go- like, hey. we're, you know, I, I have a more full life now here than I than I did in Portland. Maybe it would have turned out similar in Portland had I stayed. I don't know. But I just know that I made a bet on myself and what and focused on what I wanted. And that's how I got here. It's great to have you back in Central New York. It's awesome. You had that full swing, that full circle from your hometown to your college town, and now your professional town all in one. We usually close the interview with the best advice for students. I think I have to make your two-part question, though, for this last one, because you're so close to the social media. You have that experience, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. But I know these questions can be dangerous because we can go back and listen to this in five years and be like, oh, no, she thought this (laughs) social media was going to be the future. But not to get you on like a freezing cold take here, we'll play back later. What is that evolution of social media you feel like? How has it changed? And where do you think it's going to go for not just news and television, but all of those mediums, radio, newspapers? Maybe that's too loaded of a question, but like the future of social media, how it impacts media. I think that what is is already happening and the companies, a lot of companies already know this and they're already doing it. Like the Washington Post, the New York Times, Syracuse.com, to be honest. They are my main competitor online and they are so good. And it drives me crazy how good they are. But here's why. Because they understand that in today's world, a newspaper has to be a television station. And a television station has to be a newspaper. Because digital media, social, and and I, I include the website, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Snapchat. The it's all the same kind of content. It's a great equalizer. So even though we're a television station that has to put on 70 hours of news a week, I still need to have web articles that are just as good as Syracuse.com so that I can get eyeballs on my website and people will watch our content because that's what it's about. It's not, Syracuse.com doesn't have to produce 70 hours of news a week. But they produce some awesome videos. You see them in, in, investing in video like a TV station would. <laughs> They're a TV station, TV station without having a, an actual broadcast. Right. But I find that the media companies that understand that will have the most success in the next five to 10 years. And a little hot tip for, for anyone who might be applying to 
who are, who's maybe a print journalist, consider going to a news station, a TV station and working in their digital department. Cause it's very similar to being a newspaper reporter, but you get to work in TV as well. And it's a little bit more stable than print media right now. No offense. <laughs> but so, you know what I mean? Like, so there's, I love hiring magazine journal or, or print journalism majors for digital content producer roles because they already have the writing down. And now I can just teach them about TV. I can teach them TV writing if they want to if they want to do that or how do you better better use video on our social platforms. But they come with this incredible writing base that I find is super helpful for the website. And so I think that the companies that think like that and recruit that way for those jobs will be the most successful. That's where I think it's going in the next 5 to 10 years. It's all the same. We're all we're all one big blob of content. It's just some of us have TV stations to do and some of us have newspapers to put out. 100% agree with you. I think I'm on with your take. I know when I worked in the radio side, my company I worked for over the five years I wrote, I think the number was like five, 2,500 pieces of online content writing as a radio guy. Like that doesn't mm -hmm. happen. Like how many videos are you producing? It's totally right. Like the term yep. media company is no longer TV, audio, visual. It's everything in one. Totally with mm -hmm. you on that. I'm glad. We both think the same thing because maybe mm -hmm. we can figure out that future better than we realize. And, yeah. All right. The yeah. Right. And the last question here, you've done so many things in your career for somebody who might be 18, 19 years old, maybe somebody from our alma mater, Salve High School is listening. What's the best advice to get them to get where you are in your career? I think the best advice is listen to your gut and know what you want. Now, what you want can change, but when you're looking for that job, Go after the job that you want. You want to be on the air, go be on the air, no matter what. Don't take a behind the scenes job because you're not going to be happy if you want to be on the air and vice versa. Don't go after an on-air job just because you think that's what you have to do because it's the sexy thing to do. If you want to be a newscast producer or a digital content producer behind the scenes, let me tell you, you will get a job faster than someone who's on the air because people on the air are a dime a dozen, no offense, <laughs> but there's more people who want to be on the air than who want to work behind the scenes. So, don't be afraid to just gut check yourself and say, what do I really want? What do I really like about this kind of job? Is it the writing? Is it the storytelling? Is it the being on the air part? And then you can make a decision from there. And then, you know, just about choosing that job or that internship, go with your gut. If it feels good, it's probably the right decision. If it doesn't feel good, there's probably something wrong with it and you can avoid it and that's okay. Awesome advice. I know, Jenna, personally for me, your brother will say I'm telling the truth on this. I would ask about you as somebody who wanted to do this as a career, like, hey, Joe, what's your sister doing? Hey, Joe, what is, why is she going here? Why? So <laughs> having somebody from Salve do this for a career helped me. So thank you for doing that and being my inspiration coming out of Salve High School too. Like, okay, if Jenna's doing it, I know I can do this. Totally. I know it's going to be tough. So thank you for doing that. Uh, now I have your cell phone, so I'm probably going to text you annoying questions. So now Please that do. college person that you were hitting up, that's going to be me doing that for the future. And Happy we're probably going to bump into, yeah, we're going to probably, probably bump into each other a few times in 2022. So I'm going to recruit you. All right, perfect. You to my central. <laughs> All right. I like it. Uh, thank you for doing this. And I'm uh, looking forward to talking again soon. Yeah. Thanks. It's so good to see you guys. Take care.